you know you have a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 4, Episode 16. Today's podcast is brought to you by Jesus Every Day, which is my latest book, and I'm so excited, and I think it could actually change your life, not because I can, but because Jesus can as you pray to Him. It's such a powerful thing. So you walk through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and then you pray those scriptures back to the Lord. Um, It's been on my heart for several years to write this book, and I'm so excited about it. So I would love for you to pick up a copy today. You can get it wherever books are sold, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local Christian bookstore. I would just love for you to jump into a bookstore and ask about it. Go to your library and see if it's there. That would really help me out. Also, you could support me on Patreon, and actually not me, but the podcast, where people pledge anywhere from a dollar to ten to twenty dollars a month to help with the production costs of the restory show. So just jump on over to marydemuth.com forward slash four dash sixteen to hear more about our guest today and also to support. And I also give you a free piece of art as a thank you. Let's see what else. Oh yes, if you could share a review on iTunes. Um, I'll be starting to share those more in season five. So if you write one, I will read it on the air and that will be so exciting. And also, if you have a story that you'd like to share with the Restory listeners, I would love to hear it. So jump on over to marydemuth.com and click on the microphone icon. It's on the right-hand side, and you can record up to four minutes for your story. I would love to hear your story. Today, I am welcoming my friend, my new friend, Lauren Gaskill, and she's got a story of chronic illness. And what she is doing in the midst of it is amazing, and she's learning to choose joy. So I think that you're going to hear her joy as we um, as we go forward in this episode. So just be excited and expectant. And here is Lauren. Hey, everyone. It's Mary at the Restory Show, and I'm so excited to have Lauren Gaskill on with me today. Lauren, thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And it's always fun to interview someone who's a fellow podcaster because they kind of get it. So thanks for being a fellow <laughs> podcaster as well. I am more comfortable asking the questions. So this, <laughs> always, this is always stepping out in faith for me and, and a little outside of my comfort zone because I, I may sound super confident on my podcast, but it's totally different when you're on the other side. It's true. It's true. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is called Finding Joy, and I started it about two and a half years ago now, and really just was born out of the journey that God has been taking me through, which we'll talk about more on this podcast, and um, have come up against a lot of struggle and heartache in the last particularly seven years of my life. And um, he's led me on this journey of finding joy with him each and every day. And it's a choice that we have. I believe joy is always a choice, even on our darkest days. And so that's what inspired the podcast. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your growing up and your just kind of hero origin story. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I grew up in good old Elkhart, Indiana, the railroad capital of the United States. Awesome. And also RV. I think 99% of RVs are made in Elkhart. Fun fact. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just grew up and it was my dad, mom, my sister and I grew up in a little house and just loved laughing and playing together and when I started going to school, you know, obviously we got very involved with the church. I grew up in the church from a young age, 
Um, was involved in sports throughout schooling and music. I played the oboe and the clarinet. So just really involved in, I think, all of that busyness. While I grew up in the church, all of that busyness kind of kept me from developing a true foundation in Christ. And I knew that Jesus loved me and I knew that God was my father, but it didn't really take hold in my life until probably about junior year of high school when I started experiencing anxiety attacks, which for those listening who have experienced that before, it's pretty scary, especially when you don't feel like you can have anyone to talk to about it. And fortunately, the Lord has blessed me growing up with, I don't have shame with what I've gone through because I know that we are broken human beings. So I just did what I could to reach out and and try and talk to people who had walked that road before me. But that was the moment for me that kind of, it was the catalyst, if you will, for deepening my relationship with Christ. That's awesome. And so then then everything was perfect from that point on. <laughs> no, from it. Honestly, so that was eight years ago. And sitting here today, I can tell you that the journey has been worth it. And that even though there are still hard days, that God has led me to a place of peace, um, a place of holy confidence in Him, and just that blessed assurance that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay because He's with me. But no, it has not been rainbows and butterflies. In fact, it has only gotten worse. Um, and I don't say that about the anxiety. I just say that about my health. Doctors have speculated whether or not that first burst of anxiety attacks was really the manifestations of the overarching health disorder that I have coming to life. So for those of you listening, I have Ehlers-Danlos hypermobility. If you want to look it up, it's E-H-L-E-R-S hyphen D-A-N-L-O-S. Make sure you look up hypermobility because there are several versions. And mine is not the terminal kind. However, it does cause a systemic problem that basically my joints don't make the right amount of collagen. And as a result of that, your digestive system is affected, your musculoskeletal system is affected, your eyes, anything that's made of collagen, your brain is affected in some way. It just manifests differently from person to person. So with me, what that looks like is anxiety and depression from time to time. Um, they have tons of studies showing how our brains are differently because of this genetic disorder that people have. And then um, pain is the other big problem for me. My jaw is fully degenerated. My knees are, I feel them kind of sort of going and my neck, <laughs> but I'm kind of just in a race against time and just holding on to the Lord because I know that there will probably come a day when I need joint replacements. So yeah, no, no, it did, it did not get better from that point. <laughs> and I I think that uh, that's probably related to the story that you want to tell, but you also got married sometime in the middle of that. So how did you meet your husband? Yeah, oh, it's such a sweet story. And I do have to say that my husband is, I know that he's a gift from God. And we met right after my anxiety attacks kind of came on the scene in high school. So he's my high school sweetheart. And I dated several men before him. So when I met him, I was like, I'm pretty sure if we keep dating, you're the one because it was just different from the get go. And yeah, we met at Dairy Queen of all places over blizzards. And um, we actually fed ourselves blizzards at our wedding. That was fun. But yeah, let's see. It was a year into our marriage where I was experiencing headaches every day. 
I was crying every day on my way home from work because the pain was so great. And I thought that I was crazy or that I was weak, that, that everybody else had that experience, but I just didn't know how to handle it. But I remember having a conversation with my husband where I was like, if this is what everybody feels like every day, I don't know how people are still living because I want to die. And that sounds really awful, but like for people listening with chronic pain, like you get that. And it's not that you want to die. It's that the pain is so horrible. It, it overtakes almost every part of you. And that was the moment where my husband was like, you need to see someone like we need to get you into doctors. We need to do tests. We need to find out what this problem is because this isn't normal. Right. <laughs> so he has been my angel <laughs> walking with me through all of this. And I have to say, if it weren't for God and him, I don't know where I would be. He is the biggest cheerleader and I, I couldn't be more thankful. So you probably, I'm sure that you didn't just go to your first doctor and they're like, oh, I think you have this. And then it was over. I'm sure this was a, a long drawn out process of just knowing how diagnoses go. Tell us a little bit about that frustrating process. And if you're listening today and you're, you know, I have a diagnosis, but I know what it's like to be on the other side. So if you're listening today and you're fighting through that right now, I just want to encourage you to just keep listening to Listen to your gut, listen to God, listen to what the Spirit is telling you, and keep pursuing that diagnosis. If, if you don't have that sinking feeling of peace about what a doctor has told you, that's probably a sign. I was misdiagnosed at first. About a year after we started testing, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And then eight months later, I experienced such a dramatic shift in my jaw that I had to stop singing in church. I used to be on the worship team at church. I can't sing anymore because it's painful. But that was the moment where I went back to the doctor and I said, no, 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 I think we need to look into something else because fibromyalgia is not known to cause degenerative things. It, it's just the presence of pain. So we did a couple more scans. We did an MRI. And that was when we learned that I basically have the jaws of a 90-year-old. So then I got my, my right diagnosis, but no, it was a process and it was frustrating. I had a doctor, I had to go to several family practice doctors before I even got into specialists. And I had one doctor who told me that it was all in my head, that because I had had anxiety attacks in the past, I was probably just stressing myself out about everything. Oh no. <laughs> and let me tell you, when you're sitting in a doctor's office and you are experiencing the amount of pain that you are experiencing and they tell you that, you, your spirit just wants to break. You just, you cry. I did cry. But if that's you, again, just keep going to different doctors until you find the doctor that's going to listen to you because that's all it takes is the one doctor that wants to help you. Hmm. And so when you heard the diagnosis, I mean, obviously this is not like a poster child disease. I'd never heard of it before. You probably had never heard of it before. Is there a specific genetic test that finds it or is it like a bunch of different little things that lead to it? So great question. So like I said, there's five different types of Ehlers-Danlos and I have the hypermobile type, which is a collagen joint defect. There is no genetic test created for that type of Ehlers-Danlos yet. My best friend, Heather Dixon, who is also a writer and a speaker, she has Ehlers-Danlos vascular, which is the terminal kind. That, praise the Lord, they have a genetic test for. 
But for mine, it's a series of, they have what's called the Baton criteria. Um, in Europe, it's called the Brighton test. And they walk you through like 12 different things. Can you bend your thumb all the way to your arm? Can you touch the floor flatly with your hands and not bend your knees? Do you bruise easily? So there's all of these different markers that they pair up with you. But the the differentiator that really, really helps diagnosis is that degeneration. Because when your joints are loose and they're not doing their job properly, what you end up getting over time is since that joint is so loose, you, you get bone on bone, which is what causes that, that degeneration and that pain. So that's kind of what I like to say is the hallmark. But yeah, it's just a lot of different criteria. So when you heard it, like, how did you I can imagine you had some relief knowing, but also some fear. So how did you feel and how did you process that with your husband? Honestly, I didn't have relief. I didn't. I thought for the longest time that if I had a diagnosis that that would make me happier. Mm -hmm. um, it does make you feel less crazy <laughs> because <laughs> validated by the medical world that, yes, there is something wrong with you. But honestly... I think what happened when I received my diagnosis and, and God has been, I was diagnosed two years ago, uh, next month. Oh, so this is pretty new. Yeah. I mean, I've been dealing with the problems for eight years, but the diagnosis is relatively new, but I will say that the first year post-diagnosis was horrible. And I believe that the enemy used that diagnosis to feed lies and strongholds that have been up in my life that I'd kind of shoved down. And it kind of created this soundtrack in my head of you are broken. You are destined for misery. You are intrinsically flawed. And those were things that I really had to battle. And some days I still, when I'm sitting, I have to exercise. Um, that's part of what taking care of yourself with Ehlers-Donlos looks like. And some days I'm sitting on the edge of the pool and I feel decrepit and I still have to fight back those lies. But so, yeah, the diagnosis, it was kind of I don't even know if I answered your question, but it was decided. it was it was relief that, yes, all the things that I was experiencing, there was a name for it. But at the same time, it was also a reminder that I'm not normal, not that any of us are, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So when you received that, I'm sure, it, like you said, it was just hard and you, you know, battled some things in your mind. Give us a little bit of your journey of kind of battling yourself, battling your way back. And what have been the most healthy things that you've learned from the Lord in the midst of that, that valley, I'm sure. I, I have to say this. I am so glad that we are recording this podcast today because today like I said earlier, I can say that I'm at a place where I don't know what lies ahead, but I'm way far further along in the journey than I was. So in the beginning, I kind of went through a stage of denial uh, because when you have Ehlers-Donlos, you can't do what you used to do. You know, I used to be a runner. I love to run. I used to be the do it all. I don't need help. You know, I loved it when my husband helped me carry groceries, but like, I got them. It's fine. Like I'll clean the house. I'll cook. I'll do everything. I have all this energy, whatever. But when Ehlers-Donlos manifested in my twenties, which backtracking a little bit, they don't know why, but it tends to manifest as in 
become more intense when people are in their 20s. Um, so I kind of had to die to my old self and not even in the biblical sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just mean like who you used to be. The Lauren that used to go tubing and jet skiing and just be fearless. And that was really hard because in, and there are still times where I'm like, I really want to do that. But I know that if I do that, I'm probably going to cause my body a lot of pain and set myself back a couple of days. So that that was the first process that I went through was of denial because I just continued to do those things and mm-hmm. paid for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Until that didn't, wasn't fun anymore, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, that, that ended pretty quickly. But from that point on out, it's probably, it's what I would like to describe this journey as is one step forward, two steps back. And gosh, there's so many different stories that I could tell. I think that the story that I, will tell is the one about anxiety because I went through a blissful five-year period of like I would have an anxiety attack a year maybe or I'd have flashbacks Um, my counselor thinks there's a little bit of PTSD from the painfulness of my past but really God led me to this place where he he sheltered me from that so I could walk through all the pain of the initial EDS diagnosis, but it came back and it came back big. And I, I was terrified. I knew that my doctor had warned me that most people with Ehlers-Danlos were on antidepressants and struggle with anxiety and depression. Like I said, the brain scans, there's more gray matter. Your amygdala is enlarged, which basically means you're at a predisposition for fight or flight tendencies. Plus when your body's in pain all the time, like, it's sending signals to your brain that makes your brain not happy. So all that to say, like I knew that, that there was a chance of that happening, but anxiety is my kryptonite. If the enemy wants to strike me hard, he'll strike me in that area because it, it's a raw area. And there was in April of this year, March and April of this year, after I had sinus surgery, was some of the darkest valleys that I have walked through. But I'm so thankful for it standing here today because God has done such a deeper healing in walking through that again. And like I said, in knowing that even if the darkness comes back, I'm going to be okay. Because the Lord, Deuteronomy 31.6 is a verse that I cling to all the time. Be strong and courageous. I am the Lord. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, and also Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through Christ. So whatever it is that you're going through, whether it's pain, you know, I do physical therapy every day. That's another part of my journey. Whether it's anxiety, whatever it is, God's word tells us that we're going to be okay. But not only are we going to be okay, we are going to overcome that thing, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. And so that has been the most beautiful lesson that he has been teaching me to find that joy in the storm, to find that peace in the storm, and just to know that I don't have to have all the answers. I really don't. I don't have to know why I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos. I don't have to know why I struggle with anxiety. All I have to know is that I need Jesus. And yeah, that's that's what you teach me lately. You got your sinus surgery and you struggled with anxiety. How did it manifest itself? Was it immediately after the surgery? Was it in the hospital? Was it four days later? Yeah, great question. So it wasn't until 
a couple weeks after the surgery and I, I had a really bad recovery. I didn't react well to the anesthesia or to the oxycodone that they gave me after surgery. And so I didn't take the oxycodone. I was taking Tylenol, which didn't do anything for me. And I was in excruciating pain every day, more so than anything that I was normally dealing with. And then around that time too, I got a book agent. And while that was a beautiful thing, I was working on a section of my book that describes my anxiety when I was in high school. So I think it was just a combination of coming out of surgery. My husband was um, looking into buying a business. I had gotten a book agent. Work was really stressful. I had a full-time job at a marketing agency that I didn't like. And all of those things, I think, just snowballed. And then working on that section of the book brought back those flashbacks and just threw me, threw me back into that area of my life. Wow. And so then when you have an anxiety attack, is it like the typical, your heart is racing, you think you're having a heart attack? Uh, how does that manifest it for you? No, for me, honestly, this is really... <laughs> I'm not going to say gross because it's not super graphic, but I feel like I'm going to puke. Yeah, yeah. That freaks some people out. It freaks me out. But my throat feels like it's closing. I feel like I can't breathe properly. Like I, I yawn a lot because I feel like I'm not getting oxygen in. And then my mind just starts to race and I feel like I'm going to throw up. And yeah, that's what it looks like for me. Stressful. <laughs> it is. It is stressful. There was definitely some spiritual warfare in there too, on top of that, which made things harder. But even through that, like like I said, God has been just so gracious to put in my path people who have walked this road. And you could say looking from the outside in that that's coincidence, but I don't think it's coincidence. You know, when I actually went into the doctor and I, I was on antidepressants for two weeks. They ended up making me worse, so I stopped taking them. Oh, no. <laughs> but they do work for some people. They work great. I have found that chamomile works better for me. But all of that to say, I remember after I went into the doctor's office, I sent a text out to probably 40 of the strongest Christian women that I know. These are writers. These are speakers. These are pastors. These are ministry leaders. And I said, look, I need your prayers. Just come alongside me in this time. 80% of those women, Mary, emailed me back and they said, Lauren, we've walked through that too. We know what it's like. You're going to be okay. And to just hear that from sisters in Christ, that is something that I hold on to. I, I would never wish anxiety or depression on anyone. But what I do want to say is that it's a lot more common than we think it is. And I'm excited. I think we're in a place in society where it's becoming less shameful. And as the church, I think we've, we've failed our people when it comes to anxiety and depression. We've wrote it off as, well, if you're a Christian, then you don't worry. Let me set the record straight. Worrying is different from sometimes irrational anxiety that just like, it just, it's like a monster. It just jumps on you and then you can't get it off your back. Completely different things. So yeah, all of that to say, I was just thankful that God brought me the team of women. That was what helped me get through. Well, and that just shows the importance of community. And, you know, you can, I think what the enemy does want to do is isolate us when we've gone through some sort of thing and to think we're the only human in the world. And especially when you have a very specific diagnosis that not everybody has, um, I can imagine that the, 
the tendency would be to withdraw. And so I'm really grateful that you were able to see that other people have walked through the same kinds of anxiety and stress and, and anxiety monsters, you know, that, that we battle in this world. So you mentioned that you were in a job and your husband was going to buy a thing. And I know that you've moved recently. So I'm guessing that you've made some lifestyle choices that have maybe helped, uh, or maybe they didn't, I don't know, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so my husband, he did buy that business and we are now in North Carolina. We are so happy here. And when we moved, I was very excited because the agency that I was working with allowed me to work from home, which we saw as God's provision. And that working from home has been amazing for my pain. And also the sunshine. The sunshine has been great. Pain. But yeah, just deliberately choosing to live a less stressful, less hurried, quieter lifestyle. I, I've, I felt the Lord calling me just to a more simple way of living which for a type A person who likes to accomplish everything on her to-do list in five minutes and then <laughs> go, what do I have to do now? That's been quite a shift for me. But And then I actually, I lost my job uh, about a month and a half ago. So all that to say, um, God has been faithful through it all. And I started a new company called Coco Creative. I'm doing marketing for authors, for local businesses, for anybody who needs marketing and design services. And God's been so faithful to bring me people. But yeah, the biggest lifestyle changes, I guess that was the original question you were asking, is committing to my physical therapy. I had never done that before. I dabbled with it and did it every like once a month. But now I'm actually doing it four times a week, my physical therapy, mindfulness, meditation on God's word every day. I try to spend about 10 minutes just deep breathing on the floor. And then after I'm done, I spend about five minutes in God's word. And those two things, there's other things that we've done, but those two things I think are the biggest things that have helped me. So um, let's say there's someone in the audience who either has a chronic condition of pain and or battles anxiety, uh, what kind of advice would you give to someone in that situation or in either of those situations? Sure. Well, if I could tell myself two years ago to encourage myself, this is what I would have said. Do not believe the enemy's lies that you are broken, that you are destined for misery, that you are intrinsically flawed, that nothing's going to get better because those are all lies. They're lies and they're easy to believe when you've been told by doctors. Like I've had doctors tell me that you're going to be in a wheelchair. I've had doctors look me in the face and cry. I had a doctor at Mayo Clinic. He, he cried, a 60-year-old man cried and he said, I'm so sorry that you are going through this, Lauren. This sucks. And when that happens to you and when you're a person who has chronic pain, you can do one of two things. You can take that and you can just let it become who you are and let that be the soundtrack of your life and you will become bitter, you will, your problems will become more pronounced, and it will just be this all-consuming thing, or you can take those things and go, okay, these are the cards that I've been dealt. This is what God has trusted me with, the burden that he has trusted me with, but this is what his word says. And when we look at his word, his word is all about ushering his people into better things. You know, I know this verse is so cliche, but Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. That's God's word from beginning to end, from Adam and Eve to when Jesus came, all of it. It's all for our good. 
And so if we believe that God's word is truth, even when we get the diagnosis, even when we have a couple bad weeks in a row, we can know that our future is bright because we have Christ and the bad days don't last forever. There's always something to be joyful about. And even if you have nothing else to be joyful about, you're going to be with Jesus one day and that that should be enough, you know? So just hold on to those things. Do not, do not, do not stray from God's word because that is the only thing that's going to keep you anchored from all of those fiery darts that the enemy tries to throw at you and will throw at you. I so appreciate that. And I think, unfortunately, in our world today, we have this, we're, we're lacking in our knowledge of scripture. We've, we've moved away from cherishing and loving and even dignifying it or knowing it, memorizing it, thinking about it. And so I love that solution. And I, I might sound here like I know my Bible because I'm quoting all these verses, but like really, it wasn't until two or three years ago that God's word became real in my life. So wherever you are today, it's never too late. And just just ask God, like if you don't even have a desire to open your Bible, and maybe that's you, that's okay. Your prayer today can simply be, God, I don't have a desire for your word, but I know that these lies aren't going to get me anywhere. So would you please just help me have a desire for your word? And he'll, he'll honor that. Yeah, I love that. I think everyone can start in this moment right now, choosing to let Jesus into our pain, and also to spend time reading truth instead of hearing. I mean, we are bombarded every single day by thousands of lies. And after a while, if you're saturated in that environment, you will believe them as if they are truth. And the only true combatant of that is the truth of God. And so being even just opening it up once a day, and it's not like the longest time, then you might think, well, that doesn't count. It does count. Every time you spend in God's word counts. It's profitable for your soul. That's so good, Mary. What a great point. And I also want to point out, obviously, there's no substitute for God's word, but one book, I'm looking at it on my, actually two books that really ministered to my heart in those deepest, darkest times were Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer and How to Survive a Shipwreck by Jonathan Martin. Those two books I would highly encourage to anybody going through either anxiety or depression or pain or some sort of health thing, whatever it is, those two books are great resources too. Thank you for that. It's always good to have extra resources too sitting around yeah. <laughs> to, to help us. <laughs> So you've hinted at this a little bit, but how has God restoried you in the past year? So what's been different about this year? I would say that this has been the year of tearing down those strongholds, of going from I am, again, broken, intrinsically flawed, all of these things, to I am redeemed, I am worthy, I am wonderfully, fearfully made, I have nothing to be ashamed of. I'm the righteousness of Christ. And so that has been how he has been restoring me this year is taking all of those strongholds and just ripping them down to his truth. And that that has been a beautiful, hard, but beautiful journey. <laughs> hard, but beautiful journey. That's so true. Uh, let's end on that because I think a lot of us can relate to that. I, it would be one thing if you said it was just so easy. And, and once I, you know, <laughs> because that's just not the real story that all of us live. We all live kind of in the trenches and we're all kind of battling our way out. 
Right. And when Paul says, put on the armor of God, I'm thinking about the trenches. That's not just a one and done thing. That is a every single day before you plant your feet on the floor, when you get out of bed, put on the armor of God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So very true. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for being a guest on the Restory Show. I am so excited for others to hear this because I know that there's listeners out there who are battling some of these similar kind of things. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was such a blessing to be on your podcast, Mary. Thanks for listening to The Restory Show today. Do you mind if I pray for you? Jesus, I pray for those who are hurting today. Maybe they have a physical ailment that is just too much, too hard, too painful, too too overwhelming. I pray you would lift that burden by either healing. Um, I do believe, God, that you can heal. Or giving supernatural endurance um, to my friend who's suffering today. Or to send people into their lives who will love them through Nobody wants to go through chronic illness alone, Lord, so I pray for those errands and hers who can lift up their hands when things are hard. And I pray for those who are struggling with depression and with uh, maybe with suicidal thoughts or panic or, or uh, triggers or post-traumatic stress. Those are just as real and very, very painful to live with in this world. Father, I do pray you would also send them comforters even this week and that you would start to turn around um, that the pain that is involved in having pain from the past. Lord, just lift us this week. We need your lifting and help us to lift our heads to you. But when we can't, I know that you will lift our heads to to you. So I'm so grateful for that. You are the lifter of our heads. We love you. We need you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash four dash 16. And may you live a hip hop happy day this week. Bye.